It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Hey, how you doing? My name is Jamie Dew. I am the host and curator of the SNL Hall of Fame. Welcome to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast, where each week we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the 30 nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity. Before we go any further, though, I'm going to ask you to please wipe your feet before entering the hall. Once you do that, you can uh, move right past the llamas exhibit and uh, make a hard right at the weekend update uh, booth exhibit. Uh, You know what I'm trying to say. It's an exhibit. This is a museum. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Oh my gosh, I think it would be so cool. Uh, Speaking of cool, this week's episode features our very own Thomas Senna speaking with Will Norman, who you may have heard on the SNL Network Character Countdown podcast. Uh, This is just a fantastic conversation, and it's about Alec Baldwin. Um, Interesting, a very interesting person. Somebody that I would have said six years ago was a first ballot Hall of Famer, slam dunk. I mean, he's got all sorts of records. He's got a fantastic track record. He's got great characters. But there's one character in particular that he has played maybe a few too many times that has put a bad taste in people's throat at this point. And um, a bad taste in your throat? No, a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, a bad taste in your mouth. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and, you know, as such, I think it, it, could be, it could be dicey. Now onward to our friend Matt Ardill, who I have uh, kept locked up in the janitor's closet for the last week. Matt, how are you doing in there? I am great. Thanks, Jamie. And you? I am wonderful. We're talking Alec Baldwin today, right? Yes, Alexander Ray Baldwin III. If there's anybody who's going to have that real name, that would be Alec Baldwin. Get out. You gotta love Alec Baldwin, and for a lot of people, you gotta hate Alec Baldwin. He's a very divisive sure. and interesting person. Uh, yeah, he, uh, born April 3rd, 1958, one of five siblings. Um, his first time hosting was April 21st, 1990, season 15. This was back when he was pretty Alec Baldwin uh, in those <laughs> early years. Yeah, so uh, along with, uh, 19, uh, with the B-52s uh, as the musical guest on that first episode. Um, so this is the Dana Carvey, Mike Myers peak era. Uh, that where you know Wayne's World is all their age. Um, he became a five timer December tenth, nineteen ninety four, in season twenty. Um, so this is he was the third five timer uh, that was actively inducted after Tom Hanks and Danny DeVito. Uh, which is it's a there's a little bit of controversy there though because Danny DeVito actually had to host six times because they didn't count his co hosting episode with Rhea Perlman. Oh. 
But what about Baldwin and uh Exactly. They counted the Baldwin Kim Bassinger episode. And so it's like a bit of a double standard going on there. I mean I I think it's because he's just so pretty. You know, like <laughs> You know, Danny DeVito was going around taking pictures on his feet of probably like a giant camera back then. And, you know, Alec Baldwin was so pretty. He's like, oh, we'll give it to him. <laughs> uh, now, he is, he's actually um, one of the hosts who have hosted the most episodes. He's done 17 episodes as of recording, uh, uh, which is a record number. Um, his most recent was in February 11th of 2017. And he is one of four platinum lounge members. So that is the next tier up from the five timers. That's for anybody who's been a host, guest, performer, or special guest 12 times or more. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Who are the other three? Do you know? Uh, That is uh, John Goodman, Chevy Chase, and Steve Martin. Ah, excellent. So, yeah. If you, I rewatched the sketch where they did that, and uh, Martin Short works waiting tables in the Platinum Lounge. <laughs> of course lounge. he does, uh, and that feels appropriate. That feels about <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, he's had some great characters over the years. Some impressions that I have become very tired of, or one impression in particular that I have become very he tired. He shall of. who not be named. Yeah, which he had, he did, uh, what I believe forty six times. Uh, no did that way. Wow. Yes. No wonder we're so tired of it. Yeah, it's just overkill. It's just overkill. And prior to that, though, he had made 10 other guest cameos. So it was clear that he had a great love of SNL. Um, I mean, you, know, you don't collaborate with Tina Fey uh, for possibly one of his most successful roles uh, as Jack Donaghy um, in 30 Rock. Uh, which garnered him 19 Primetime Emmy Award nominations, and uh, I believe it's four wins uh, that he got there. But uh, yeah, I, I, he's just, he love him or hate him, you got to credit him for being willing to lean into the most bonkers sketches. Yeah. I mean, sh- Sweaty Balls, Canteen Boy, the Joe Pesci show. I mean, these are all sketches that are like, it, it's a brave thing to be willing to do that. Um, like, do you, do you have a favorite uh, sketch of his? Oh, I love his. I love his Tony Bennett. Um, so anytime he does that, I, I think that's just swell. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for me, it's 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 sweaty balls just because it's like so NPR. It, right. It's just like it's so it's so dirty and so silly, but it's delivered in such a low key manner, and he keep he keeps it together. And the entire cast of that sketch just do that t- pitch perfect NPR voice. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's dirty, punny wordplay. And it's, a, it's such a, a, a great treat to listen to. Thank you so much for joining me today on the SNL Hall of Fame. Of course, Tom's happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Will, you and I were on 
our friends, the Saturday Night Network's Character Countdown podcast not too long ago. And that was a whole lot of fun. We we had a great time talking about characters and stuff. So I got your perspective on on how you feel about characters on Saturday Night Live and what you look for there. But I am curious about what you look for in a great SNL host. You know, I think there's a lot, definitely a lot of crossover because I think the best hosts are able to, to bring some characters to it. But now we're talking about all-time hosts. I think one thing that there are a few things that come to mind is for one, you want someone that's that comes and is excited and I think is a fan of the show. When someone comes ready to play and they really appreciate the show and love the show, and that energy comes through in their monologue and the energy they bring to all the sketches that they're in. Just really want someone who really loves the show that you can see that appreciation come through. I'm a sucker for people that talk about loving the show before they were hosting or how hosting is their dream come true. I think that's always really, really cool. I think having great um, comedic timing um, and being, I think I, I really prefer comedians or great actors because they come to this, the, the, they come to the show with that perspective and they're also able to play many different characters and be able to um, be within that moment and really hit, you know, inhabit those characters and stuff when they come to, to play. And then I think, um, last but not least, I think just really high energy, you know, when someone comes in and they're really, they, they put their, they put their all into every sketch that they're in. They're really excited to be there. Um, nothing worse than having a host that just feels like they're being held hostage, you know, <laughs> and they're, they're not excited to be there. So those are probably the main things that I look at. Um, I think those are things that go into, you know, having a really good host and, um, you know, it's kind of a side note. I think we all kind of do it right at the good nights. I'm always looking to see how the cast reacts to the host being there. And sometimes you can just kind of tell when someone, when the cast just loves them and they're so excited and they're clapping behind them and they're hugging them after the show, after like a long week with them. So um, I love looking for those kinds of things when someone comes in to, uh, to, to host. Yeah. We all become body language doctors <laughs> in, in a, in a <laughs> right, sense, exactly. like with the good nights, whether it's a cast member who we see that might have a, 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 frown on their face or how you're right how they're interacting with the host uh it's kind of fun to play body language doctor (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) definitely every week Uh, yeah yeah exactly and i think you brought up a great point about hosts that are good actors and i don't i think it doesn't even have to be comedic actor i think a lot of the the best hosts you know have have some a lot of range and a lot of the best hosts are show their chops in dramatic acting before SNL. Uh, and the guy who we're talking about today, Alec Baldwin, uh, he had had a mix of a little bit of both uh, before his first hosting stint. He was in Beetlejuice, uh, which was more comedic. He was in Working Girl, a bit of a comedy there, uh, talk radio, Married to the Mob. So he, uh, he was promoting, actually, The Hunt for Red October, uh, which I probably allowed him to showcase more of a range. Uh, so I think Alec fits into in, into that perfectly. Uh, as far as he goes, I mean, what boxes did Alec check for you uh, as an SNL host? I think there's quite a few. I mean, for one, I think being having that background in acting, I think, was really important. And really helpful because, you know, he was very, um, very versatile, the type of characters that he was able to come to and perform and got to show a different side of himself. I mean, Beetlejuice, obviously a really great movie. He's playing more of a straight man in that, in that, in that, in that movie to a degree, right? Um, playing like Michael Keaton and whatnot, but like being able to show a different side of yourself and that comedic timing, um, which helped him to really commit. I think he's also, you know, he was very popular, like a very charming person, you know, from the way that he presented himself in sketches and everything and really leaned into being someone that was really popular with, um, you know, some of the, with the, with the audience. 
And then I think also just his willingness, I think the willingness to it, kind of take it for granted, but the willingness to come back to like do a good job and then still be able to say, can I get a volume out of this? It's not just like, okay, do a good job and then kind of be off, you know, leave or avoid t- times, even times in his life where he might not have wanted to come back. Um, still just kind of keeping that trend going and being willing to come and play and being versatile with multiple generations of the show. You know, I think that's something that's also pretty cool. There's some hosts that have been kind of belong to certain eras and belong to certain um, cast and he's been able to you know come back and add those comedic sensibilities in the show and obviously off the show you know i know we're not i know it's not 30 rock podcast but you know <laughs> being able to see how he's able to to translate that over i think was a really the things that really hit for me yeah one of those boxes the willingness to come back i mean alec checked that time and again he checked that 17 times like he had no problem <laughs> yeah, exactly. obviously coming back and that, that's kind of bearing the lead probably that um he still holds the record <laughs> for for most hosting appearances uh at 17 so yeah you're just so right i think uh, we kind of look for similar things uh in snl hosts and alec checks so many of those boxes and i wanted to bring up actually his very first hosting stint and we could kind of bounce around a little bit but i think it's important when talking about alec baldwin to bring up his first hosting stint which was april 21st 1990 that was at the end of season 15 and he just i think he just proved right away that he was just so willing to to play, to play off his persona, but not make the show all about him, which is something that I look for in a good host too, is, you know, show your personality, but not to the detriment of the material. I, I don't think the, the show needs to completely revolve around the host personality, but you want the host to show their personality still. So that first episode, you had talked about how, you know, his charisma, charming, he had a fun, simple monologue right away where he's just kind of posing for the camera, <laughs> showing his, his <laughs> right, charisma right. right away and everything. So, so, so that was kind of our introduction to Alec Baldwin in that first monologue right away. Um, did, you, did you get a chance to kind of go back and, and, and check some stuff out from, from that first show in particular? Yeah, I was going to say, I think one of the things that's kind of fun, and you, kind of, you just talked about it a little bit too, was like the willingness to to put yourself out there, but willing to make fun of yourself too. You kind of have to be able to lean into your persona and lean to things that, you know, are the reason why you were even asked to do the show in the first place, but then still be able to take a step back and be a part of the show and just kind of be, uh, you know, whether it's in a lead role or support role to the show. Um, so like I said, it, it's kind of watching it as like, it's very obvious why he was kind of an instant hit and then being able to come back to since then, like there's few times, not few times, but there's, those moments where you see someone hosting you to come in for the first time and you're like, man, I can't wait to have this person come back again, you know? And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But um, yeah, I thought he's like a really unnatural right away. Yeah. Through and throughout that whole episode, I mean, it was, it was quite the range. He did this uh, soap opera sketch called Green Hilly, where it's just kind of him kissing everybody in the whole show to this dramatic music. He, he kissed Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, Nora Dunn, Phil Hartman, the dog in the sketch, Alec was just kind of kissing everybody, playing off of his whole leading man, charming kind of kind of persona. He did a fun sketch with Jan Hooks. She played Greta Garbo, and she was kind of reclusive, so he played, I think, her personal assistant or something, who when people would call for and ask for Greta Garbo, he was miming excuses 
or Greta Garbo was miming excuses and Alec had to had to guess what she was trying to mime. That was goofy Alec right there taking yeah. part in nonsense. Yeah, and that's the thing about it too. Like you want to have someone who's able to be the straight man, so to speak, when sketches when you need them to be able to do those kinds of silly things, like be able to act with their body. I mean, there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of material that like we'll, we'll get to like over the course of his appearances, but kind of showed off the whole out the whole art. He's shown off the whole arsenal multiple times, but you know, especially coming in hot. <laughs> you know, for yeah. the first episode. <laughs> exactly. And what one of one of my favorite sketches from that era, uh, I don't even I didn't even remember totally that Alec was in it. It was it was from that first episode. It was a John Lovitz uh carried sketch, the nude talk show. John Lovitz has this idea he wants to do a, a nude talk show because he thinks that it would be super popular and Alec Baldwin just plays a TV executive but John Lovitz is really carrying the sketch but Alec was willing to to one of your previous points he was willing to play with the cast and whether that meant he was doing this goofy sketch with Jan Hooks a couple of goofy sketches with Jan Hooks or he's just kind of playing this TV executive who's green lighting John Lovitz idea for a nude talk show yeah, which is something that's kind of hard to to come by sometimes, right? Because sometimes you like you mentioned before, you sometimes you have hosts that come in and they might be um, they have the energy, but they don't have the ability to take a step back and let the cast do their thing and let the cast be front and center and just kind of be that vehicle to help serve them and to promote them and you know and and be that support system for them to to shine in these sketches. And so you you want you want a host that can do both, right? Like get you a host that can do both because you have some that are just completely in the background the entire, the entire episode, but then when you have ones that can anchor it, that can support, um, it just kind of lends itself to being able to be there and then also to you know moving forward with the you know to to other great sketches and characters that are to come um, to be able to help and support those as well. That first episode we kind of covered. He he just came out with a bang. I mean, I could tell the cast loved him. Even hearing cast members or writers talk about their experience at the show. Alec is is one of the first names that comes up as far as good experiences that they've had with hosts or somebody who came on the show and just understood it, just got the show. Uh, and he, I could tell he just impressed them from day one. As far as Alec as a host, what would you like to talk about now? Any sketches, characters that, that really stick out to you? Yeah, there's, I mean, I, I don't know if we should get to them right now. I mean, there's obviously some, there's some obvious ones. Um, we could talk about Shweddy, the Shweddy Balls yeah. uh, <laughs> sketch. Um, I think, you know, it's funny because it's like you get a chance to go back and rewatch some of the sketches that he had and I will have a bunch to talk through. God, it's probably a pantheon, like his like Mount Rushmore sketches. I mean, he's mentioned later monologues, like that's the one that he is, that he's, you know, people t- talk to him about the most. But getting a chance to go back and rewatch that sketch, right? Like the way that it's played, right? With everyone having that, imp- like embodying the NPR voice, right? And then being able to have that delivery and being very calm and then playing off the what you're seeing visually happening in the studio versus what uh, the radio listeners are hearing and all the puns and double entendres. And like, it's just like, and you can just, the audience is just loving it, you know, the references. And it's like, it's just such a great sketch and like such a great, it's played so well by, you know, Molly, Anna and, and Alec. And it's just a great vehicle for great writing. Like I said, great delivery. And it's just like a classic. I mean, you could mention you know, people love my sweaty balls now and people are like, Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to get my mouth around this ball. <laughs> Ooh. 
I like the way your balls smell. Do whatever you want to them, ladies. My balls are here for your pleasure. Wow, Pete. I have to say, your balls are so tender. Well, there's no beating my balls. They're made from a secret, sweaty family recipe. No one can resist my sweaty balls. Yeah, it's something that they play, SNL plays when they do Christmas retrospectives, when they need yep. a Christmas episode or whatever, they'll go back and play uh, the sweaty balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, I know they recreated it too later with uh, with Betty White, but like, I mean, I, I'd probably say that's probably one of his, uh, I mean, it's probably probably at the top of this from, from an all-timer standpoint. I have, I mean, I have a couple more, but I know, is there anyone that you wanted to talk about? I mean, we could talk about that one, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of other ones that I really enjoyed as well. Yeah. And I was gonna, uh, just to put a button on that sketch, I, that showed me that he just how well, I mean, he, he, he has range and he can play with any cast member who's on the screen. So in that sketch, he really had to be precise and match the, the energy or lack thereof, uh, of Anna Gasteyer and Molly Shannon in that sketch. He kind of had to be yeah. a third delicious dish person and match the f- tempo and the energy uh, and the cadence of of that sketch. And he, he just fit right in. And I think that, you know, in lesser hands, a lesser host might have made that sketch awkward. I don't think it would have been memorable. They might have hammed it up too much. They might have put too much emphasis on like... I'm making a double entendre here. Wink, wink. Yeah, Notice yeah. it. But Alec yep. just kind of let the content speak for itself. And he played just a, a great straight man. I don't I don't even know to the content because all three of them were like the straight people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. right <laughs> really. Right. Um, you would ask me something else that stood out. Something that he did in, in that episode. So that was the Schweddy Ball sketch was December 12th, 1998. Uh, he also in that in that episode, and this was actually the third appearance of this was the Bill Brasky sketches that he did with, uh, he first did them with Will Ferrell, Mark McKinney, and David Koechner. Uh, I think John Goodman appeared with him uh, later, but those were just so, the Bill Brasky sketches just in general, they're just so outlandish to me. Just big, big characters that probably don't exist in real life. Like there's a kernel of that character that I've seen in real life, like the, the salesperson type of character, but, but Alec was so good and matching somebody like Will Ferrell <laughs> matching that sort of yeah. energy and big bombastic <laughs> right. character just told me a lot about Alec. Did you know Bill Brasky is the godfather of my son? Bill Brasky? Yeah. He's a big fella. Isn't oh he? yeah. He's a big guy. He got about six, seven, three eighty five. <laughs> well, anyway, he shows up at the church in his golf pants, caked in mud. But old Bill Brasky pushes aside the priest and says, I'll baptize that piece of calamari. And he pours scotch all over my baby son and says, there, you're baptized. <laughs> yeah, because it is, like you said, the, the energy of those sketches and like how it's just kind of the build. You know, it's like you're, you're there's, like, there's a kernel of, of, of truth in like the, the, the characters that, that, the characters of the sketch and then also the person that they're, you know, deifying essentially with, with Bill Brasky and like all these stories that just kind of build on itself and keep getting bigger and bigger. And like, 
you know, you have to have the right, right amount of energy in those. And like you said, that's what's super, that's what's one thing that's really great about, you know, a, a host like Alec is that he can be in a sketch where he can deliver and be great in this calm way. Like, so a delicious dish and like have that conversation, but then match the energy of a Will Ferrell and the Bill Brasky sketch, and then be able to, you know, go toe to toe line for line with like a Janet Hooks and like a diner sketch and, you know, be able to do impressions and, you know, do all kinds of different things. Like it, it just kind of speaks to why he was, I mean, or why I think he's um, the leader of all time you know, for, 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 uh, for hosting appearances. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're inviting another cast member, the long lost cast member to join them that week yeah. to do the show. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else uh, that sticks out? Where do you want to go from here? Yeah, I mean, so I think there's, I mean, I guess we can talk about a couple, a few more like sketches and stuff, and then we can, t- you know, talk top line too about it. But I mean, I just kind of mentioned the diner sketch where he's going back and forth to Jen Hooks and it's just, he's coming in just super confident, you know, he's dressed up, got the, the cowboy hat on, jean jacket, and, you know, he's just going back and forth and, you know, intense flirting and intense just going back and forth with her. Can I help you? Do you have coffee? A cup? You think you can fill it? Think you can handle it? I can handle a menu. First look is free. I never paid for looking yet. You better watch it, cowboy. I've been watching it since you walked over here. Yeah, I couldn't help. Couldn't help notice what you were looking at, too. I'm not looking at anything that ain't showing. You better keep your eyes on what you're watching instead of what you think is what's showing. Because we got rules here, Mr. Rules! I'm going to be right back. I'll be here. Okay. All right. Good then. Fine. Okay. They're flirting and talking about the double cut of the pie and, you know, whether or not, you know, you should not go, shouldn't go around off on your pie for free. And you got Hartman just sitting there too at the diner, um, you know, just kind of being like a, a buffer between her and him. And it's just kind of, I said, it's a really fun sketch. And I said, when you have those sketches where you just have two people just going back and forth and the, the writing and the energy of that, one, I think is a really, really fun one. Related to the diner sketch, we actually, did just did a Jan Hooks episode, and that was one of our highlights. The Bill Kenny was on with me, and that was one that we definitely highlighted on Jan's part because of just how snappy her delivery was and everything. But Alec, his role in that was yeah. to match her her snappy delivery. So there's trading barbs and going back and forth. It had to be quick, that quick delivery, mm-hmm. and and we I had mentioned Alec matching. Molly Shannon and on a gas tire here, he's matching Jan hooks as far as snappiness. Yeah. And I think what's cool about that sketch is that it's, it's an, it's a gets to the level, but it's, it's, it's an equal. He's both parties. I mean, she's, she's crushing in that sketch, obviously. And and so is he, but like, it's not taking away from the other person, right? Like he is, they're just in that battle. They're locked in going back and forth one liner after one liner back and forth. And there's not this trying to one up the other person. They're both just kind of in that world going back and forth and keeping the focus on how tight the writing is and the fun and the puns and the, um, the double entendres and things like that as they go back and forth, which I think, you know, like I said, speaks to, you know, the, the constant theme is, can you come in and play with anybody and then be able to be the leader, be, be equal, uh, but not trying to outshine other people. Um, I think those, it's a, it's a really great example too great points and that's something yeah that's something i never thought of that's that's being a good scene partner i mm-hmm. think and that that that's that's a um 
something that when I've talked to other guests about about cast members specifically, uh, the idea has popped up here and there about being a good partner in a scene. It's kind of the improv idea of yes anding in in a certain way. It's kind of along those lines of just being a great scene partner and not wanting to one up your scene partner because uh, you know that that. Uh, in doing so, you know, the, the comedy will reveal itself even more if you're at the same level. I think that takes a lot of discipline and, and yeah. I guess lack of ego as a performer uh, in many ways. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you kind of got to leave your, leave your ego at the door, so to speak, when you, when you come to host and, and be willing to, to enjoy, because like I said, if, we, if you do go too far, you take away from the writing of the, of the, the, the writing of the sketch and you can distract from it and if you ham it up too much or, I think it's like the right amount of energy for that sketch. And like I said, it was a great, it was a great scene partner to your point in that, in that sketch. Yeah, for sure. And that was his first episode <laughs> as well. So I'm sure somebody like Jan hooks, who's a, who's a wonderful sketch comedian, I'm sure had to be impressed uh, with, uh, with the, the work that she did with, with Alex and that uh, Alec in that episode. There's one that, that I want to make sure to talk about one that I really highlighted. Are you yeah. familiar with Buckwell's follies? when he was the gubernatorial candidate. That remind me of that one. I'm sorry. So he was a gubernatorial candidate and he just made these unintentional gaffes throughout the sketch. Ladies and gentlemen of this great state, I come before you a humble man who hopes only to serve other people. And yes, I've stumbled. I've shot Lassie. I've cursed at an infant. And yes, I've wiped my ass with the American flag. <laughs> but don't let that define me. Don't judge me. Because someday you could find yourself in a similar situation you could kill Babe, that lovable pig. Don't talk about Babe like that! So it was just this escalation that, that I, I thought I thought Alec was just uh, so good in. And if you were the listeners, that's season 21, episode 11. Um, the sketch is called Buckwell's Follies. And that's just such a good uh, example of Alec carried that sketch. There were brief appearances by like Will Ferrell here and there. But Alec, that he really, really carried that sketch, and that's just, especially for that season and early on in a new era of SNL, uh, that that's one that's always I go back to and rewatch twenty. It's been over twenty six years later, and that's yeah, like yeah. a rewatchable sketch, big time for me. I think I can rewatch that one. Uh, yeah. or watch that one. I guess it's memory, some memory hold that one. I feel like, but that's a that's a good one. I was gonna say the uh, there's a lot of good. I mean, I think one of the other sketches that um. I've liked of him and it's a later one, but it kind of goes back to the making fun of yourself. And it's uh, the, his play on the, the Christmas elves, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, that's where he's essentially playing the same character from, you know, um, when he's in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and he's like head elf and he is trying to get everyone excited about Christmas and, and cobbling and um, even uses his, you know, <laughs> the ABC always be, Stopping and then kind of, I don't know if it's a Freudian slip, but does it always be closing and like kind of the cast is losing it a little bit yeah. during the sketch, like him and Seth. And just like one of those examples of just like, it's very silly, but it's like very, it's very, it's one of those things, like I said, it's kind of wink, wink at the camera, like having fun with it and kind of pointing to your previous work, but also being able to, you know, deliver in this very silly way, like fully dressed on like an elf and talking to, you know, Amy and Seth and like just a very silly sketch, but back to the, the holiday theme. That's always a, a favorite one of mine to watch during the holidays. That's one that SNL 
tends to replay uh, in their holiday episodes as well. I mean, if you if you weren't a SNL super fan or if you're less than even a casual fan of SNL mm-hmm. and or if you're just getting to know the show and you watched a holiday episode of SNL and they're replaying these sketches, you might think that Alec was a cast member <laughs> at some yeah. point the way he just kind of pops up in these in these sketches that SNL showcases uh during these special episodes that elf motivation uh was hilarious <laughs> it, it, it was such a great play you're right on the, the Glenn and Gary Glenn Ross <laughs> scene yeah. that he was in that was so good skimming through a lot of his episodes I sometimes forget how many impressions that he did on the show, which is ironic because, I mean, he's famous for his Donald Trump impression, uh, mm-hmm. which we don't really have to talk about because, thankfully, <laughs> honestly, he did it once as a host. So, yeah. it was his, his most recent appearance as a host, and he did the <laughs> Donald Trump impression. Uh, that was the only time as a host that he ever did that. But even aside from that, when he was hosting, I mean, he did uh, impressions of Bono, he did Robert De Niro, I thought really well. Yeah, Tony Bennett yes. was was great. So I think it, just as an impressionist, to re- be able to rely on a host to come in and you can give him, him an imp- or her an impression and they can deliver it really well. That that's such a great gift that, uh, that yeah. a host can bring to the show. Yeah, and I would say too, like his the the amount you know <laughs> Trump aside. Uh, the the joy that he brought to these these impressions like i always feel like a tony bennett is probably one of his favorite ones to do because it's just like such a, a happy um happy person in the ways which the way he betrays and it's just kind of that just happy energy and super positive um and i'm gonna do that one quite a bit hello everybody hello you know i've sung for kings and queens and one thing's for sure i love things that are great i love things that are great Good things are fantastic. Guess what? I also paint just a hobby, nothing drastic. Cause I dig everything except the things I don't. And I try anything except the things I say I won't. But one thing's for sure. I love things that are great. that's something that you typically don't expect from a host to be able to come in and do a bunch of impressions and be able to be as versatile and as talented to be able to do a bunch of impressions. But the fact that he was able to do something that he were, that were really accurate, really reliable, be able to come back to those. I mean, that's a, that's a gift too, for anybody that's gonna, you know, come in and be a part of the show. With the Tony Bennett impression specifically, Paula Pell, who was a longtime writer, on the show, she helped Alec with that. And she was watching Tony Bennett and they were interviewing him. I think it was a, some red carpet thing for a movie premiere. And she was watching this and they interviewed Tony Bennett and they asked him, what'd you think of the movie? And his response was, oh, the movie was great. And I like great things. And she said, yeah, I could tell that he hadn't probably hadn't seen the movie, but he was just so overtly positive And he thought it was great because he likes great things. And that's something that's just, you saw, saw that those are the types of lines that Alec delivered. So she took that to Alec and Alec just totally made her vision come to fruition on yeah. screen. He was so good. <laughs> he was so good. But at yeah, Tony Bennett. <laughs> but, but the positivity, like, 
on, you know, times a million and just happy to be there. Just, you know, stoked and, and she's a guest and singing and it was super fun. From an impression standpoint, I mean, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, obviously I think uh, Trump is the one that he did the most, but, you know, Glad's not overshadowing, like I said, a lot of the great work that he did before then and just his ability to, whether it was in uh, official oppression or just the characters and the way that he was able to inhabit just types of personalities and people thought that it was, he just did, he's just a really great, like I said, talent, talented host. There's a silver lining to the him being Trump as many times as he was in terms of, you know, talk about the unofficial cast member standpoint, but, um, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting to me that he was as prolific with all these different areas we're talking about when you're thinking about what you want from a host, someone who can be a great scene partner, someone who can do impressions, someone who can be a supporting role, someone who can be the lead in a sketch, like able to do all those things, make fun of themselves. Like he was able to do all those things uh, from an impression standpoint and across these different variables, you know, all these different um, compartments. And like I said, I think he did a really good job. And like I said, it's the reason why he's been there so many times. Yeah. And through, throughout the years, as if we didn't need any more proof that Alec loved the show and got the show. I love when the show becomes self-referential in a lot of ways. Yes. This happened when he he developed a little feud, quote unquote, with Steve Martin as far as yes. <laughs> their their hosting gigs. So the way in you know, the the way they played off of each other <laughs> in a lot yeah. of those sketches, I mean the platinum lounge, it was Alex's thirteenth host thirteenth time hosting in two thousand six. Yes. And this platinum lounge sketch that he did with Steve Martin was just like so too good. just so good. It's like two really multiple legends, right, in that sketch. And it's so funny because I, I, you know, I will say I, I love the five timers lounge sketches in general, um, just that format. And like whenever someone's close to five getting in there, we got the platinum lounge taking it the step further. I mean, it just starts. So it starts so great. You know, I love him, <laughs> Alec coming in and with Maya and she's like, I don't know if I should be here. And, you know, hater comes in and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, working Catherine's going to be here. And he's like, Oh, sorry, Maya tried, you know, after, after saying <laughs> yeah. you would, you know, support, do every can to help a friend. And then I, you know, I said it with him and Steve Martin going back and forth. And I just love that that is kind of built in as canon for them, like on the, the world to show that there are these rivals that are going back and forth and like, don't like are actively trying to undermine each other or in some, in this case, you know, kill each other, you know, kind of thing. Here we go. Uh, hey, wait, isn't that John Goodman? No. was in sweaty balls. And I've tied your record, 13 shows, so excuse me. Wait a minute. Did you say you hosted 13 times? I hosted 14 times. 14? Wait a minute, let's see. October 23rd, 1976, February 26, 1977, three times in 1978. Oh my God, you're right. Wow. 14 times? I'm sorry about that, Steve. You don't know. I apologize. I mean, I tried to kill you and that's so wrong today. The same dynamic too, even with like Martin Short coming in and just like crowd loves it and Steve Barnes just like sad, you know, as soon as he leaves the screen. So they just had that kind of back and forth and it's just a really fun 
a fun way, like I said, for them to, you know, have that meta conversation about what it's like to be hosting on the show that many times and having that friendly rivalry in terms of who's going to be on top multiple times, whether it's through monologues or through this sketch. But like those two going back and forth and trying to outwit each other. It's just a really fun sketch. And I thought it was a really, really well done. And Paul McCartney popping up, you know, just to, yeah, just exactly. to add to it. It's like, it's, but what did you think about that sketch? Did you, I mean, I, it's one of, I like that one as well, as well. It's interesting to see Alec Baldwin working with who I, someone who I feel is a comedic genius and Steve Martin and going toe to toe. You know, yeah. he, so he's not, Alec's not just a funny person for an actor. Alec is a genuine, I think, comedian. Even if yeah. not all of his movies are are comedic, that showed me that Alec can be viewed as a comedian. And that was yeah. just a great, I think around that time, uh, 30 Rock was either about to premiere or it did premiere. And that coupled with 30 Rock, that sketch coupled with 30 Rock just showed to me uh, that that Alec needs to, needs to be called a genuinely a comedian, being able to go toe-to-toe uh, with Steve Martin. I know you brought up 30 Rock, and this is we're talking yeah. about Alec's Hall of Fame candidacy as a host, but I mean, talk about him on 30 Rock. I think that's related to, to his work on SNL. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think when you look at 30 Rock, I mean, there's obviously a lot of fans. There's a lot of crossover, understandably so, between SNL fans and 30 Rock fans. With him being such an, an integral part of 30 Rock, I just thought that his... Uh, Jack Donaghy, I think, is just a great character. He, he played as, as an all-timer. And I think when you look at the role that Tina Fey played on the show, obviously a Hall of Famer, um, and she is probably... If she's not the best, she's one of the best writers to ever come out of SNL. And so her tapping him and giving him that unofficial approval, like I, you know, and her first, you know, official vehicle outside the show and saying, I want Alec to be a part of this, um, getting that, you know, nod, I think kind of adds to the fact that he was someone who was so great on SNL because that's someone who obviously got a chance to work with and see behind the scenes and how they work and what they bring in and what they put into the craft and how funny they are and their versatility and what he could bring to the characters that she was forming for the show. And so I think that you see the same thing with him on, um, on 30 rock. Like he is, he brings that same level of great acting. He can be serious, dramatic. He does impressions. He all does within the, the realm of Jack, but is able to inhabit this character who is working amongst a bunch of comedians and is still able to be a, a genuinely hilarious person as this high level executive, but still be able to, uh, provide that comic relief and keep up with your Tina Fey's, your Tracy Morgan's, your Jack Krakowski's. Like he's still in that mix, and he's not just in the background. He's a lot of times, you know, the vehicle for the humor in the show too. So I think it just kind of there's a lot of crossover there. But I think, like I said, his his work there speaks to how great he did on SNL and um, and why he got the nod to be in such a important part of that show. His portrayal of Jack Donahue to me is a masterclass of dry humor. And that's so up my alley. I mean, you're talking to someone who, as a kid, my favorite cast member was Phil Hartman, who had a lot of that dry delivery. Yeah. And Alec, as Jack Donaghy, his his just dry, no-nonsense sense of humor and delivery just spoke to me big time. And that's just such, like I said, just such a master class <laughs> in that type yeah. of humor yeah, that's and- not always... You know that, that it doesn't always 
resonate, I guess, with with just like somebody who's not like a comedy geek or whatever. But many of us, I'm sure you know, you're included in that. Will just appreciate that that type of humor so much. Yeah, and I think one thing to that point, I think why you know people who appreciate comedy, like you know, like yourself, me, like and people listening, when you do have someone has a dry sense of humor, it, you're you have to be paying attention to find it, and it's not self-serving it's not looking to bring attention to you you kind of have to be paying attention and with the with uh the with um, his character on third with, with the jack he's always just like a zinger and i'm on to the next like gonna zing you you got you got it you didn't we're just gonna keep on moving and it's never you know a lot of times not grandiose it's just kind of like dry sense of humor drop a nugget keep it moving but still able to go fast pace and i think 30 rock i, I want to say i don't know if Donald still holds by the time I think had the most jokes per minute uh, from a TV show. And so that, that pace, you know, and being able to be able to keep with that. I mean, you, that's a, that is something you don't just hand out to any actor that can be a part of that and be able to, to be in that role. So it kind of speaks to how he's able to be himself and that drives him to keep up and keep it coming all the time. Yeah. And even when Jack Donnie's not throwing out zingers, even when he's just being serious, like, like I, I think of when Liz Lemon uh, asked Jack, you know, he's being fitted for a tux, and she she's writing some material for him, and she thinks it's that evening. We'll get to your problem in a minute. Have you had a chance to think of my zinger? Well, it's almost Thanksgiving, everybody, and I know what this crowd's giving thanks for: estate tax reform. <laughs> that is terrific. I really enjoyed that. But do you think it's too topical? Damn! I wish this event were tonight. It's not tonight. When is it? February. Why are you wearing a tux? It's after six. What am I, a farmer? And he's, you know, he's totally serious about that. Yes. <laughs> he's not trying to zing anybody. That's just who he is. And and, and Alec plays that just with such straight, like, like he he's not he's not over committing and trying to tell the audience like here's the joke like he's within his character uh just being who his character is and then the comedy is is mined out of that and i think him being on 30 rock tina fey hiring him uh to play jack donahue speaks a lot to how she viewed him as a host on snl what she thought of yeah. his comedic jobs that's the stamp of approval yeah yeah, exactly. That's exactly the phrase I was looking for earlier. The stamp of approval that he got from from her, I think, go. I mean, is incredibly important. And like I said, as someone who is you know part of SNL lore, when someone you know, I think we always root for people that leave the show if they have their individual projects, root for them to do well. And so him being able to be a part of you know one of Tina's first uh, after officially leaving the show and everything, I think, um, was was really important. And um, he did a great job. He crushed it. So Alec hasn't hosted since February 2017, and what we've said, he made numerous appearances uh, as Trump, for better or for worse, around that time. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have to say, tragically, in October 2021, he fired what was supposed to be a prop gun on the set of a movie, and it killed uh, cinematographer Hela Hutch uh, Helena Hutchins. And there's been a lot of discussion as to what happened. Um, an, innocent, an innocent woman died uh, due to onset negligence, and that's what we know. 
uh, and Alec was named in the lawsuit, one of a few people that was named, um, that was filed by Helena Hutchins' husband. And they settled in October of 2022, and the film uh, Rust will resume filming uh, in January of 2023. So, so if and when the show's ready for another Alec appearance, would that be something that that you would look forward to? I know. We'll, we'll I'll I'll kind of break the ice and say I actually would look forward to this uh, myself. Is that something that you would look forward to? Yeah, I would. I would say the same thing. I, I would look forward to it. I think you know, obviously, the the situation with on the rest that is is really tragic, and you know, family lost someone they really loved, and that's just it's hard to move past that. But I think for for Alec, I think alums of the show too, um, when he's ready, and I think out of respect for the family, he's not going to be on anytime soon. Um, maybe he'll have to make a cameo at some point in time. But I think. I would welcome him coming back. I mean, he's the he's an all-time leader for hosting for a reason. And I think that SNL has proven over and over again that that's the place that you can come back to. You know, when you, whatever someone has gone through or caused, you know, personally, it has provided that kind of safe haven for someone to come back and be welcome with open arms and be able to kind of, whether it's they've been out of the public limelight for, for one to kind of start getting back into it, or they just need that embrace from the fans. I think that it's, it's provided to be a soft landing spot for people. And I know that he would get um, a lot of love. I think it's just a matter of when the timing is right for him, but you know, we've seen it most recently with like a, you know, say the John Mulaney, right? Like Mm -hmm. has a lot of personal stuff going, going on, but it's a place you can always come back to. And I think that um, whenever he's, if it ever, whenever he decides to, I mean, I think people would be excited and would be uh, rooting for him. And it might be a good way for him. I think sometimes too, he's had it before with personal stuff he's had with divorces and things like that. this is far more serious than a divorce. Don't get me wrong, but like to be able to say, all right, I think I'm ready. I think whenever that happens and the time is right, I think people will welcome them back for sure with open arms. And I think for younger viewers or maybe people who just got into the show within the last five years and really only know Alec as the guy who played Trump, I think appearing on the show as a host again uh, might go a long way to kind of shed that Trump stench that he's kind of associated with now. Like to me, it's a bit of a shame as far as SNL goes that, you know, he's one of the handful of all time great hosts, but he'll be most synonymous possibly with a certain segment of viewers as the guy who played Trump on SNL. So I think another appearance, as you said, like if, and when everybody's ready uh, for, for that, uh, I think, if anything, you know, to shed that association with playing mm-hmm. Trump, um, yeah, w- I, th- I think personally would be would be a good thing to see. Yeah, I agree, and I, I mean, the thing I was gonna uh, wanted to say and add to that earlier, like, there's <laughs> being associated with that time period and everything, like, and being with such that with with Trump as a character on the show and as an impression. You know, we're talking about like there being a silver lining, and I know we're kind of we're talking about you know Hall of Fame candidacy here and why someone shouldn't, you know, trying to be as subjective as possible. I think that a lot of times we talk about hosts and we say, oh, this person could totally be a cast member. Like that's an unofficial cast member. And I think Alec is one of the few who could say like, I was basically a cast member. (laughs) You know, I was the show at a time when they needed to address something that was going on topically, domestically, internationally. He was the person that they went to that well regardless of if they went to it too much or too little that can other people can debate that. Right. But like at a time when it was needed, he was that person. And I, and I think I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think 
when he accepted that role, he was probably thinking it would be similar to Tina doing Sarah Palin, right? Mm -hmm. No, this is going to happen. This is not a four-year commitment. I'm going to do this. It'll be fun. And then we can move on with our lives. And to be able to say, all right, this happened and still be that committed to the show. I mean, I think that just also shows it's coming to the show because he could have very easily said, sorry, like I didn't, I didn't plan doing this for this long. Like I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and so I think the fact that he was treated as basically as a cast member showing up almost every single week, uh, being able to, you know, go to that well and be able to provide that support system for the show until they could get someone um, to, you know, now you have JAJ obviously is doing a more accurate, you know, less cartoonish version of Trump. But I think, you know, that time to transition such a lot of stuff going on in the world, I think he has to get credit for uh, being one of the few hosts that can say, now nah, I basically was a cast member. That's such a good point uh, as far as his portrayal of Trump is just kind of, you can just see that a lot of it was out of love and respect for, for Lorne and for the show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's a, that's a check in uh, uh, on Alec Baldwin's hosting resume and just SNL kind of person associated with SNL kind of, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. kind of resume. Uh, if you had to sum up here, your reasons and Alec's, SNL Hall of Fame candidacy, like how would you kind of put a button on all of this? So I think, you know, if we're looking at Hall of Fame candidacies and what it takes to be in the Hall of Fame, I think we've obviously had some great nominees. The thing that I would say for for Alec is when you're looking at the totality of the appearances, right? A lot of times you look at most Hall of Fames, if we're looking at sports, hey, most points scored overall, most home runs hit, like those kinds of large numbers. You know, if they're done over time, people can say, well, they were just there for a long time. But you look at the qual- the quality of appearances, not just being number one overall. It wasn't like he was just kind of, they were just wheeling him out there and like, I'll just, well, he'll be in the sketches and we're just going to celebrate him. He was an active part across many generations with characters that people know and appreciate. He's, like I said, one of the few hosts that can say that um, he's a, who's an unofficial cast member. He has memorable lines, whether you're talking about, um, or memorable impressions, talking about Tony Bennett. You're talking about classic lines. Uh, no one can resist my sweaty balls. I mean, you could say that probably 10, 50 years from now, people know what you're talking about. So being able to be there across multiple generations, quality of appearances, um, classic moments, and then also there during a time when the show really needed him. I think all those things kind of go to why he is, if nothing else, the leading host appearances of all time for good reason. And I don't think those are empty calories. So I think that he deserves the the opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Thank you to Casey Lyons for those tasty, tasty licks. Uh, We have got a a hell of a decision to make now, don't we? Alec Baldwin, do you include him in the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall of Famer? Like, there, let's let's be clear. He's going into the Hall of Fame. He, he has to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I can't imagine a Hall of Fame where he's not there because there's too much of the story of SNL that would remain to be told without him there. The question is, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's the question. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. Have you registered to vote? If you haven't registered to vote, please do so, or you won't be able to vote when the time comes. And that would be a crying shame. Uh, 
Let's listen to uh, a great sketch now. It was talked about by Will and Thomas in the uh, delightful conversation they had. Um, this is uh, the uh, the elf sketch. Uh, E-L-F, not elf. Hey, Willie. Uh, no, I can't do that. Uh, hey, Willie. Nope, can't do it. Nope, uh, I'm not even going to try. Oh, my gosh. I used to be able to do a mean elf. Like, not a mean elf. Like, just an elf, you know? Anyway. This is the elf sketch that they brought up in the uh, conversation they just had. So let's go to it now. So what's this meeting about? I don't know. It better be about our tools. My hammer is falling apart in my hands. Elves can't build with tools like this. I'll never be done with my toys by Christmas. Uh, Everyone settle down. This is Winter's Breath. He's an elf from the home office. Can I have your attention for a moment because you're talking about what? You're talking about the hammer? Bitching about the quality of your wood, some pixie you're trying to screw? Let's talk about something important. Put that cocoa down. What? Cocoa is for cobblers only. You think I'm screwing around? I am not screwing around. I am here from Kris Kringle. I'm here from the North Pole, and I am on a mission of mercy. Your name is Honeydew? Yeah. And you call yourself an elf, you son of a bitch? Hey, I don't have to listen to this. You certainly don't, pal, because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all, you've got one week to regain your jobs, starting with tonight's build. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's toy contest. As you know, first prize is a shiny new toboggan. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a box of candy canes. Third prize is you're fired. Everybody get the picture? You're laughing now? Huh? You got tools. Santa paid good money for those tools. You can't build with the tools you have. You can't build garbage. You are garbage. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it because you are going out. Hey, hey, hey. our tools are weak. Your tools are weak. The effing tools are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business for 615 years. Hey, what's your name? Screw you. That's my name. And you want to know why, mister? Because you rode a hedgehog to work, and I got here on a talking moose. That's my name. Remember, boys and girls, always, A, always, B, B, C, closing. Always be clo- always be cobbling, always be cobbling. That's incredible. What's the problem, pal? Well, I mean, you're such a hero, you're so rich, why are you coming down here and wasting your time with a bunch of bums? You see this gumdrop? <laughs> you see this gumdrop? This gumdrop costs more than the mushroom you call a house. You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. Nice guy, I don't care. Good father, elf you. Go home and play with your kids. <laughs> you want to work here? Cobble. I can sit here tonight with the tools you got, make myself 15 train sets tonight in two hours. Can you? Can you? No, no. <laughs> Get mad, you sons of bitches. Get mad. You know what it takes to be one of Santa's elves? It takes brass balls. <laughs> to be an elf. The tools are out there. Build with the tools. You know, I got no sympathy for you. And you know what you'll be saying? 
Bunch of losers sitting around the reindeer shed, drinking fermented dew out of acorn caps. Oh, yeah. I used to be one of Santa's elves. It's a tough racket. These are the new tools. These are the new Glengarry line of power tools. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for cobblers. I wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And answer your question, pal. I'm here because Santa asked me to be here as a favor. I said the real favor. Follow my advice and fire your elfin ass because a loser is a loser. Oh, and one more thing. You all get holiday bonuses. It's still Christmas. Yeah! <laughs> that is dynamite. That is absolutely dynamite. What a great sketch. If you're familiar with the source material, it makes it that much richer, but you don't need to be. It's it's just fantastic on its own. Uh, that was um, Alec Baldwin in a, in a sketch called Elf Motivation. And um, I, I think it seals the deal for his candidacy, quite frankly. Uh, Will Norman, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, for Thomas Senna, and Matt Ardell, I am the host and curator of The Hall, Jamie Dew. And please, if you'll do me one favor, on your way out, as you're walking past it, turn out the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Podcasts and such.